and a lot of you have heard this, a lot of it's cliche nowadays, it's you know, pretty popular out there, but you got to change your story. Your story is only true because you allow it to be true. So reframe the story and what you're doing with to an outcome that you want, and then it'll be more palatable and help you get through those sticky moments. And I, I work on that every single day. Not only do I go work out at the gym every single day, I exercise my mind every single day because I'm the asset. And if I'm not on point, then nothing else is on point. So we got to learn how to reframe our stories and understand it's an inside out job. But I don't want to, I feel like I got to say something here about it's be, do, have, or have, do, be. Okay. So everyone wants to have it. Everybody wants the million, two million, five million dollars. They're the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They want that. They want to have it. Then they want to do. So it's ha have, do, be, or be, do, have. But most of us have it backwards. Like how many times those of us in, the, in this business look at someone killing it? Like, I want that. And I want what he has. But if you were to go through and spend the time and look back at his track or their track record, his or her track record, and see how they got there, you may rethink that. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, in today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with a dear friend of mine, Bevan. And Bevan is someone that I looked up to for a very long time. And I was so excited when I got into a mastermind with him and I started becoming friends with him. And not only are we going to unpack his story, I mean, you want to talk about an entrepreneur roller coaster. Bevan, Bevan's gone through it all. He's gone from top of the top to being, you know, super, super low. And he's doing what he's doing now out of pure passion and and just a pure giving personality of wanting to give back. I've asked him to talk about some of the key concepts that he's learned from Dan Sullivan and uh, this and I just encourage you to just just really play along as he's talking because I think it's so impactful. I ask him to talk about life insurance and from someone that's been uh, in this business a lot longer than I have and been um, a top advisor for a very long time, how he talks about it. Um, but then I also uh, ask him, you know, this, to unpack this idea of production. And and he has a, a couple really good takeaways. There's some great nuggets in this conversation, along with his whole story, that I think is going to be really, really impactful. So without further ado, here's Bevan. Bevan, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. I uh, am a firm believer in this strategy called Dream 100. This is what I'm doing right now for my for my business. It's like, who do I need to know that can take me to the next level? Right. The cool thing about this conversation is you were my original Dream 100 when I was first getting into this business. As, as some of the, my audience knows, I was obsessed with Paradigm mm -hmm. Life and Patrick yep. Donahoe and what they're doing. And I had multiple people say, Caleb, like, cause I wanted to learn from the best. I wanted to get mentored by the best kind of people. And they're like, you have to talk to Bevan. And one, one agent in particular was like, I've never cried so much <laughs> after hearing one of your talks. So I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be uh, having tears, but man, you have, have an ability. Not only were you at the top of your game, but you've had the ability to just communicate passionately and you've helped many, many advisors, financial advisors, insurance agents, just like me 
get to the next level. And I'm grateful that you're my friend. I'm grateful that we were in uh, a study group together. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to come on the show. I appreciate it. You know, I'm really glad to be here. And uh, I enjoy working with people in our industry, but people with energy like you have and have a cause that you want to move forward and change the world and, or, you know, and make a big impact. And that's what I'm about. I, I thrive best with those type of people. And I'm a big thinker. And so I enjoy those relationships. Awesome, man. Why don't you kind of give my audience a little bit of your backstory and like how you've, you know, got into this industry, your kind of your aha moments. Um, but then we can talk about just what you've learned. Um, but I would love to kind of hear the origin story. Okay. Well, it's, you got to be careful when you give me the mic because I can tend to run with things and be long-winded. I knew since I was a kid, since I was about two, I would say six, seven years old, my dad was in the financial business. I remember I'd come home from church quite often with my suit on and I would have a, uh, this little medical kit, you know, I don't know if anyone make those these days. I'm 46 years old. So that was a long time ago, but you know, they, and I would take those medical kits. I just put paper in them. So it was like my business and I'd have my twin, I have a twin brother, an identical twin brother. And we were, uh, we would sit there and play business, whatever that is. Right. And I'd pull out the papers and we just write things down, but I'd have my suit on. I'd, you know, try to emulate my dad. And, uh, you know, I, that I wanted to be, I just wanted to follow his, his tracks, his footsteps. You know, I, he was always home for me and in my uh, junior high years and high school years and all my athletic events, you know, and I think that's, that's really what we're here for. It's not about the money. And I, I say that with um, money is important for sure, but it was important to me that I always stood out as my dad was always there. And so I wanted to be there for my kids as well. And, uh, but I also like business. I like coaching people. That's just kind of my nature. And that's why I think I, I also emulate with the financial industry so, so well in the insurance business because I do have a chance to talk with people and coach them way beyond the scope of finances. So that kind of, you know, emulated with me as a young man and young kid, I should say, and, uh, went to college, played college football, ran track in college. But at the same time, I majored in economics in finance and uh, shortly after my in my, my last year in school, I started doing a, an internship with a with a company, and you know, kind of the rest is history. And so I was in 1996 when I got my license, but about two to three years prior to that, <laughs> and I was I was born in 1996. So <laughs> you know, I I uh, I uh, you know prior to that, I still I went on a lot of meetings with my dad. So I knew that's the industry I was going to get in, but I. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Right. I mean, right. at the end of the day, the, the money or the, sorry, the numbers and that knowledge is really secondary. If you really want to be successful in this business, it's your ability to communicate with others and connect and create that relationship. Was your dad, was, was your dad a typical advisor? Or was he, did he teach you a lot of the stuff that you and I do no, today? What we do is quite a bit different. In fact, shortly okay. after I got in the business, about three years into it, he came to me and says, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I need, show me what you're wow. doing and how you're doing this. And, and uh, that was shortly after I, well, probably a year into the, the leap systems. And anyone who knows me, once I get into something, I'm all in. I'm not one foot in, one foot out. I'm all in. Right. So a lot like you, you know, had a lot of energy right. at the time and he could feel it and the difference I was making. So he came to me quite often to get advice. And, and for those of you listening that, you know, Bevan just said something about leap. Leap is a software put on by Bob Castellone. He was kind of like the founder, one of the founding thought leaders in this whole industry, he put together a system on how to help advisors, financial advisors, insurance agents help explain, you know, different risk class talks about life insurance, who's a big uh, fan of whole life. And so um, while I've personally never used Leap, 
a lot of the people that I've learned from have been impacted greatly by him. So now let's let's I'm fascinated by this is what what were things that you held on that you thought to be true when you got into the business? And what things did you learn that were like, oh my goodness, like why doesn't everyone do this? Well, when I first got in the business, it was I had a hard time with the life insurance. And so I thought, you know, I got to get my securities license, my uh, Series 7 and, and my 65 and all those little, those little uh, licenses that I thought would help me. And, and I was working on my CFP because I believe the only way to really help people, they had to have money in uh, Wall Absolutely. Street. You know? And then in the 90s, in the mid to late 90s, you could, you know, it was, it was anyone, a monkey could throw, pick a stock, you know, and, and, and it would have done well or, or mutual fund. And so it was pretty easy. But, um, you know, I didn't really learn a lot of principles, a lot of what really are we, what were we really after? I was just taught to sell and to be a, um, what would you say, just a kind of a, uh, a pawn, so to speak. I don't mean to make that sound bad, but insurance companies and financial institutions are vendors, no matter how, you know, no matter totally. how good we think they are. And, and we think they're, they, we, we tend to think that they have their best interest, is, their best interest is out for, uh, we, they have us in their best interest. Or Harry, you know, I'm trying to say there, but he, they, uh, they really don't. They really don't. So when I was going through that, I, you know, I had a lot of aha moments. Like, wait a second. So I'm selling a mutual fund to sell the mutual fund, but what am I doing it for? Okay, for retirement. So at the, in those days, you can show, you can illustrate a 12% rate of return. <laughs> what is it now? Seven and a half or eight? I can't remember what the number is now, but I know it's, there's a big disparity. If you ever want to run the numbers between a 12% and 7%. There's a big disparity there. And right before I was getting ready to schedule my, the, the, or take the CFP, it just, I just something I had, I had an epiphany, like, this is not really teaching me to help my clients. I mean, there's some things in there. And I'm not, if those of you who have a CFP, I'm not knocking it because there is some value there for sure. And some education that you get that you can utilize, but it definitely wasn't a tool that I was going to increase my success. My success was what's going on between my ears and ultimately my ability to connect with people. And so shortly after that, you know, it was 1996, 97, right? A year or two after I got in the business, I told my dad, I was like, damn dad, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be in that position where I hurt someone and in something that we have no control of, over. And I can't just go sell those mutual funds because at the end of the day, this market's going to change and it may not be for two or three or four years, but something's going to happen. And I'm going to be the, the problem is how I felt at the time. So I said, you know, I, you know, I had, I think I was at the time I was managing probably $20 million and uh, I, I, I said I was done. And so I kind of sold off that book of business and was on my way out and discovered the leap and Bob Castellone and Todd Lankford and who's been a mentor, was a mentor then and still is a mentor now. And uh, the rest was history in terms of my ability to stick with the business and to make it happen and have some passion about what I can really do for people and how I can guide them down this path, this different way of thinking that we're not taught. And uh, so there you have it. So when you, when would, when did you like discover these people and like start producing well? Because for those of you that are not in this business, um, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of my clients, a lot of people interested in all these strategies are listening to this uh, podcast as well. There's in everything, there's a leaderboards and there's people that are like top 1%. And you were, I mean, back in the day, you were, you were the guy. What, how could you, how were you getting to that point? And like, what was the aha moment? And I'm kind of looking for like, how did you, what, why were you so successful? Because you were, you were obviously passionate, but what were you saying to people? It's the passion that drives. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and for me, naturally, I am a passionate person. So when I believe in something that people can feel that. <laughs> so there's, yeah. there's times when people, I know people chose to move forward. They may not have understood what I was talking about, but they bought it right. to me because of my belief in what I was working with and right. what I was selling at the time. And ultimately, that was my, that's what made me successful. I mean, I, I was a man on a mission. I really believe that, you know, if I wasn't in their life, they were going to make a mistake. Right. And who's going to fix that? Because there's very few people like us, Caleb, who, who work the way we work and think the way we think. The industry is full of traditional planners and advisors really designed to go out and sell. And no, I'm not, make, it's not a knock on anyone, but that's really what it is. And I'm not, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of a movement. I want to be part of a, a concept or strategy or, or a vision to really, truly help people with their finances. That's what I believe is what uh, made me so successful early on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing is I had this like aha moment of like, okay, why life insurance? It seems like it's such the worst place to put your money. What what was like the the tipping point for you to be like, not only is life insurance not the worst place to put my money, but I want to put as much money as I can into it. Well, I'll tell you, it was uh, back in, uh, right after I went through, I was my third year into LEAP. I had been to six symposiums at the time and I was really understanding, you know, the buy term and that's the difference philosophies and how it doesn't work in the long run and just really going down that road. But what really, really turbocharged what I was doing is Nelson Nash, when I lived in Colorado, I lived in Fort Collins, Loveland area. And uh, Nelson Nash came out and spent three days with me. And I think it was 99, I can't remember when it was, but 99, 2000, right around there. And we put on a little, little seminar and well, I was on the radio show with him a few times. And, and that's really where I deepened my, my conviction of how to utilize this as a tool of production. And it so happens to be life insurance. And if we can have people overcome that concept, that dilemma, like, hey, I know you got it. You want to get from point A to point B. Do you really care in how you get there? Right. <laughs> Do you care what tool you use to get there? Because they don't. Because at the end of the day, clients don't want a life insurance policy. They don't want a 401k. They don't want a mutual fund. They don't want a stock portfolio. They just want to get from point A to point B. And so when I learned how to utilize this as a better tool, yeah, for me, it gave me that conviction. So when I'm in someone's home, it's like, hey, I can get you from point A to point B. I can eliminate your risk. I can increase your control. I can help you reduce your taxes and have you have a better sense of, of purpose, so to speak, and what you want to do with those resources and who you want to become with those resources. I, one of the things that I remember when you called me about three weeks ago and we were talking about this idea of rate of return comparing rate right. of return, but then you had this amazing rant. And I don't know if you could pull that out again of production. <laughs> like you had, like, I got you going. I think I said production and <laughs> life insurance and rate of return. And you, you had something super profound that you said. I don't know if you remember saying that, but I would love for you to unpack that idea of thinking oh, and it rather about just chasing a rate of return. And, and I'll unpack this a little bit more. I had a, a episode that I did a couple weeks back where I talked about everyone's focused on rate of return, but why aren't we focused on return on result? And, right. and so many people are letting one little metric that they don't really, un- I mean, you can't spend a rate of return. They let one little metric determine what they do with their entire life. Right. Can you unpack that idea? I was coming home from, Chicago, uh, from Strategic Coach in 2004, flying back into Colorado where I lived at the time. And it's, I just hit, something just really hit me hard. It's like we're trying to chase... 
let the dog or the tail wag the dog instead of the dog wag the tail. And we're chasing this rate of return, but we're missing the big picture. Because the the reason why we defer the use and enjoyment of all of our assets is for a future income stream. And as I was I sitting there coming home from on that four hour flight, a three and a half hour flight, it I was like, wait a second, <clears throat> we're missing the point. The point is to maximize our resources and maximize our level of stewardship along the way. But we're trained, taught, and educated over the next 30 to 40 years, we're just going to defer the use of those resources, climb this proverbial exponential curve, get to the top. And now it's going to give us the things that we're after, like happiness, enjoyment, freedom, fulfillment. I'm like, wait a second. Why would I, why in the hell would I wait until age 65 to maximize those things that I'm already after? But how do I maximize those things that I'm really after? Because you and I both know, and especially me being in the business as long as I have, I've met with many, many, I've had thousands of meetings. I met with a lot of people who are retired, who have a lot of money, but they still don't want to be happy. They're not free. They don't have a peace of mind. They still have lack a sense of direction. And we're, and right. we think that that money was going to give us those things, and, and it doesn't. Now, I'm not saying that money can't create a level of enjoyment because it certainly can. Obviously, the more money we have, the more philanthropic work we can do and some th- more things we can do with our family. But at the end of the day, it's an inside-out job, meaning you have to know what you're after. That one thing that you're after, why are you buying insurance? Why are you buying a 401k and IRA? Why do you have a real estate portfolio? Why do you go into alternative investments? Why are you doing those things to have an income stream? But why? And you got to peel that onion. Why do you want that income stream? What for? What are you trying to do with that income stream? And the one thing that really unpacked that all for me was when I understood what I call the lifetime extender that I learned from the strategic coach and how to extend our lives and see, and we get more value out of our lives. And so a lot of times I'll take clients through that exercise. And when I do any type of coaching, one-on-one coaching or group coaching, I'll take people through that exercise. And what they'll realize is what they really want, what they're really after, they're not doing. Write that down. So repeat that. What people really want and what they're doing are not the same thing. That's, that's key. I 100% agree. I see it every day. Yep. Every single day. And those of you who are listening probably feel the same way. I have to go through this myself on a daily basis. Every day we wake up, every day we wake up, turn on the TV, the radio, we are bombarded with misinformation. And even us, we are imperfect. We are yeah. going to make mistakes. And so daily, I, have, I exercise my mind in a way to help me not get caught up into that mantra. But it's very, very important for us to get very clear on what we're after. And that lifetime extender helped me understand that, but also helped me understand at a deeper level is why we're really the asset. We are and, the asset. And it's, just unpacking what you're saying even more, if, if capital is, is, think of it like a worker bee, think of it as like a tool that can help us live the life that we want to live. The reason why we believe in what we believe is we're not just deferring for a someday, maybe future. We're saying, how do we best maximize our time, our resources, our ideas, our energy, our passion, and live that out freely? So I I love that, man. I I appreciate you uh, breaking that down. When I'm familiar with the Lifetime Extender, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about what that is, because I think it's a great exercise that we could all do, regardless of what business you're in, and get really clear on why you do what you do. I remember doing this about two years ago with you in our group 
And I'm like, oh my, I was that same person. I was saying one thing and I was doing the exact opposite. And we still will if we're not careful. But so I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, um, Dan Sullivan, years ago, when I started coaching, doing executive training, uh, training agents and advisors, and I said to him, this tool has made a big impact in my life and I would like to utilize it, but I will always give you credit. Are you okay with that? He says, absolutely. In fact, if you can listen to his podcast, I think it's, oh, it's 10x uh, with Joe Polish and Dan Sullivan. They have a 10x podcast and they talk about that in there and and they want us to spread that information. But here's here's how it goes. So what you do is you kind of, I'm 46. So I'd write down the number for age 46. Then from age 46, I'm going to draw an exponential curve into perpetuity. Just you're going to put 46 on the, you know, middle of the page and then just draw this curve. And then you're going to stop that curve on the day you think you're going to die or the age. Now, here's the thing. Hmm. None of us know when we're going to die, but we have intuitively a time frame and when we think we're going to die based on our, our, our health, our family's health, their history. And so my family tends to live quite a long time into their 90s or more. So I told them at the time, well, I'm going to put um, 92 is the number for me. And he said, great. And we were in a class at this time, a class setting in Chicago. <clears throat> he says, all right, so you're 92. At age 91, the year before you think you're going to die, how do you see your life physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and your self-assessment? He goes, now, you're 91, but how would you want your life to be in those areas? So I wrote down in each area how I would want my life to be at that age. I didn't have any limiting beliefs about my age, where I thought I would be um, health-wise and all these other areas. It was the maximum belief or area I'd want to be in those five areas. Do you, do you, remember, do you remember the five areas? Yeah, it was the, the, what I just mentioned, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and self-assessment. And you can add more to that if you'd like, but those are the ones that we, we talked about at the time. And, uh, or you can change it up too. So after I wrote down those, those answers, and everyone else in the, in the class, there's like 20 of us, so it's a little kind of an intimate class. He said, all right, you're age 91 or whatever the number you have down the year before you think you're going to check out of this world. How do you feel about those answers? Of course, we all feel good. He says, great. What do you think your chances of dying at 92 are? And I says, well, if I'm living this way, slim to none. He says, exactly. He said, well, how much longer do you think you're going to live? I'm like, well, I'm putting it that way. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. This is cool. I mean, I mean, why would I want to even go anywhere else? I have a, a man on a mission. So I took it out. I said, another 15 years. He said, all right, those are another 15 years that now your mind can think about. Up to this point, your mind stopped at age 92. Now you're talking to 107. Now, here's the kicker. There's a few things here because we're still not to the peak of this. Hmm. He said, you have those extra 15 years. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do in those extra 15 years? I want you to spend all the time you need. I want you to write down what you're going to do in those years. Yeah. So I wrote a lot of things down, what, I'm, what I want to do in those years. And ultimately what's happening is he's peeling the onion, getting the right to the core of our why and why we do what we do or why we, what we're really after, but we kind of put it deep down in the subconscious mind and it's hard to pull it out and find it because we're bombarded by all this information yeah. and we get yeah. easily distracted by everything around us. And he says, great, circle that. So I circled all those answers. He said, I want you to draw an arrow from that point down to your current age. 
And at that time, whatever, I mean, 2004 and 46, do the math, what, 32 or 33, whatever the number was. And uh, so, so I did that. I love it. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, holy crap. Like, I'm after this, trying to go hit this million dollar mark and be this big producer. And, you know, and this, you know, I was seeking after the mm. wrong things. Yeah. But to my core, I was missing the point. And he said, why would you wait? Until age 92, you start living those extra years. Why don't you start living those extra years now? And that's when I really, truly understood that we are the asset. And that's what we're after are those things that really make us tick inside, that gets us up in the morning, that gets us moving. That's the lifetime extender. And I'm very grateful that- Powerful. that took me, he took me through that, yeah. That's extremely powerful because there's something to say about when you're nearing death you could care less about the things that we so care about. Right. Or we'll always, we'll say we don't care about it, but we do because we right. spend time thinking about it. But if you can get, I mean, I encourage everyone listening to that to do that. I'm going to do that myself. Um, I wrote down the age 105 originally. So I don't know what that tells you about. Right. I don't, a part of me doesn't want to live that long because I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know what else. Uh, but, but, but getting clear on what my light, like what impact I want to have. Right. And then, and then saying, okay, where I am now, what can I do to like, why do I have to wait 70 years? You know what I'm saying? And see, this is a, this is a thing, Caleb, that I think holds us back and I'm guilty of it too. we really kind of forget who we are. Yeah. And then we become fearful to spread our wings Absolutely. because we're so dang worried about what other people think of us. And like you and I were just talking before this talk, before we started here is that there's so many advisors out there. There's so much competition in our minds, we think there's a lot of competition, but there's only competition as, you, as us or individually. And sometimes we just got to put the blinders on yeah. and just go for it because people are judging us anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what, people are already judging you right now. Some of you are even judging me right now on this, on this call. And I'm okay with that. But I could say something that I think that you wouldn't judge me on and someone else is judging me <laughs> on the very thing I'm just talking about. So the, it is an, it's a no-win situation. Right. So you just got to go spread your wings, be who you are, right. live out your dream. You're going you're to have naysayers. You're going to have people, your critics, no matter what, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your passions are, you're always going to have critics. And the true test is, can you move forward when a critic hits you when you're not ready for it? One of the things I appreciate about you is you're an open book. And you, you've really taken me under your wings because as you've had some massive success, as you can hear, like you have a really good understanding about this whole money thing. This, you are your greatest asset. But you had, you had a really, really tough time after 2008. So why don't you talk to us about what happened? Because I think we can learn from that. And then kind of what you've learned looking back and, and share it like you're talking to me because I've... I'm young. I've learned from people like you. So I want to learn from your guys' mistakes sure. and not, you know, make my own. But I, I remember walking away in our meetings and, and you've impacted me more by sharing your failures than you have sharing the successes. Yeah, this is, this uh, has, was, has been a big trying time in 2008, even still to this day. Um, back in 2006, June of 2006, had some business friends and some from friends and associates get killed in a plane crash out here in Utah. And uh, Les McGuire and Ray Hooper and um, Mike Isom and Garrett Gunderson and I were, you know, we went to a lot of trainings together and we're just kind of, we're working, doing a lot of work together. But those four, I right, created this company called Ingenuity and the Producer Revolution. We were just working on some stuff together and 
long story short, you know, Les and Ray were killed in a plane crash. And I remember where I was at when I got the phone call. I thought it was a joke. So at the time, I was like, oh, crap, I got to go out there and help these guys. I got to go help Mike. Mike is a good friend of mine. Garrett was a good friend of mine. So I thought, you know, let's go out there. I'm going to go out there and try to help see what I can do. And they'd asked if I'd come out and help dissipate their, the business and, and, and either keep it going or dissipate the practice down there in Provo. And uh, long story short, it was, you know, less than we were gone. And it, it was, there, there was nothing to save. It was, it was, it was, but having, do, do, having said that, I made a commitment at that time to move my family out here to Utah. And, uh, and at the time I, you know, we didn't have the technology we have today. It was, it was starting, but you know, we didn't have a lot of these, the level of the, doing a podcast like we're doing now, or even a live webinar or those type of things. So I thought, crap, I'm going to come to Utah and I got to start my business all over again. When I came out here, I was looking for an alternative way to, okay, I'm going to restart my, build my practice again. But I don't want to be traveling to Colorado all the time because I had a lot of good business out there. And so we, I got involved in an investment that was real estate related. So I thought. And uh, a long story short here as well, it, uh, I brought in about $15.5 million to this investment. $1.5 million was my own money. And, and so that really started, you know, beginning of 2007. And was doing very, very well. I mean, very well. And uh, right into 2008, I just had a feeling something wasn't right. Something was not. But I thought, wow. my wife kept saying, oh, everything's fine. Just move on. I was like, all right. But uh, it, it collapsed. It was a Ponzi scheme. And I had 80 investors. Had a private placement memorandum in place. And uh, uh, it was a tough time. Because the last thing I want to do. Those of you who may know me on this call know I'm a very passionate individual, but I don't. And I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And the last thing I want to do is hurt an individual. And, but that's how I felt. And so I lost, I lost everything. I kept my marriage, thank goodness. But I spent three days with the SEC being drilled. I thought I was going to prison. I didn't know why. I didn't know what happened. I mean, I, I had no clue. They were drilling me what happened. I was like, I don't know what happened. Now I know what happened, but um, it, it was a Ponzi scheme and, uh, what saved my bacon was, you know, a lot of people, when they start raising money and get in this world, they borrow Peter to pay Paul a little bit. Yeah. The, the, the money trail tells you everything. And so as they went through that, I didn't, they can see that that didn't happen in my case. So I was okay from the standpoint of not having to go to jail, but financially it still flipped my world upside down. I was still fined by the SEC um, I had to file, I filed bankruptcy in 2009 and wow. uh, really had to, you know, start my career over. I mean, at that time, I was speaking a lot with insurance companies and other financial institutions, training people. And soon as they knew that I had a little black mark to my name, boom, they cut me off. They wouldn't appoint me anymore. They got rid of my license. And though I'm still licensed in the state of Utah. Right. They, will not, they wouldn't appoint me. So I kind of lost my identity. Like, crap, what am I going to do now? I mean, it sucked the life out of me. Like, my heart and soul and my emotions, everything went into what I was doing. And boom. The, the, the fall sucks. Yeah. You know, when you're falling and you just can't seem to stop falling. Yeah. I couldn't wait to hit rock bottom. I know that sounds crazy. But the bankruptcy was easy for me. Like, my attorney was talking to me like, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this emotional ride that you're going to go through? I was like, you kidding me? I've been on a ride for a long time. Let's get this thing done. Right. And so, I didn't, that didn't part didn't bother me. My pride was gone by then. 
And uh, so I hit rock bottom. And then I had to look up this mountain like, okay, do I want to do this again? Yeah. Do I want to climb? Like, who am I? And I thought it was probably a good five to six years where I was just dabbling. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was a high level producer to a below level producer for a long, long time. But what I had to learn how to do was to reframe my stories. And this Correct. is where I think will help many of you. And a lot of you have heard this, a lot of it's cliche nowadays, it's you know, pretty popular out there, but you got to change your story. Your story is only true because you allow it to be true. So reframe the story and what you're dealing with to an outcome that you want, and then it'll be more palatable and help you get through those sticky moments. And I, I work on that every single day. Not only do I go work out at the gym every single day, I exercise my mind every single day because I'm the asset. And if I'm not on point, then nothing else is on point. So we got to just learn how to reframe our stories and understand it's an inside out job. But I don't want to, I feel like I got to say something here about it's be, do, have, or have, do, be. Okay. So everyone wants to have it. Everybody wants the million, two million, five million dollars. They're the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They want that. They want to have it. Then they want to do. So it's ha have do be or be do have, but most of us have it backwards. Like how many times those of us in the in this business look at someone killing it? Like I want that, and I want what he has. But if you were to go through and spend the time and look back at his track or their track record, his or her track record, and see how they got there, you may rethink that. And so we have to be do have. We have to be the person to have what we're after. But let me clarify something here. <clears throat> being and doing are not the same thing. We think, well, if I'm going to be something, I'm going to go start doing. Doing's a verb. Being is an internal inside job, inside job. And some of us have to, based on our upbringing, we have a lot of baggage. Um, we have to start internally and retrain ourselves of what the being it's is. It's like an identity. Then you get to go do. Many people set goals, and most people don't achieve those goals because they're doing it from their current behaviors, their current being who's always been, and they're doing something based on who they've always been. But if you want to change something, you have to change your being, and, and that is not easy, but it's worth it. So let's go back to what we talked about earlier. We talked about this exponential curve, this pot, at the end of the, uh, this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, we think it's going to give us this happiness, enjoyment, a sense of freedom. That will not. What will is you finding out what your why is, what's your unique abilities, your unique skill sets, what drives you, what fulfills you, what gets you moving. What are those things? And it can, you can discover those things maybe in a few weeks, maybe it takes 10 years. But if you were hell-bent on discovering what that is first, being prudent, and being a good steward over your resources now, then once you figure out, aha, I got the aha, I know what it is, then the money will take care of itself and you'll utilize it the way you need to utilize it to scale what you're working on and who you are. Thank you. I, you have so much to give and I'm grateful for you sharing your whole story and like grateful for you taking people like me under your wing and like teaching me and like mentoring me. What's one thing that you would tell me knowing like going through, you've gone through your highs and lows and you're rebuilding. What's something that you would say, Caleb, like, don't do this. Don't get caught up in the fancy stuff. Don't get up a concept, uh, caught up in the shiny things. Know who you are, 
and stay in that lane. But you got to know who you are because you will be pulled in a hundred different directions throughout your career. And that's unfortunate. And so if you do the exercise of the lifetime extender or something similar, that's where that's your working point. That's where you should start. Stay there. And what you learned for this whole real estate disaster, do you do you are you just a lot more skeptical when people come up with investments or Absolutely. I mean, and I'm still a non-traditional guy. I don't believe in Wall Street at all, period. And the story, I do not believe in it. However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't utilize it. Right. You've got to be careful. Everybody has an agenda. Right. All of us do. Yeah. Everyone wants to make money. That's why we go to work. That's why you and I sell our our our, our time for our value for money right. versus our time for money. But either at the end of every day, every one of us has yeah. an agenda. And so when I'm working with people or someone comes with me a new idea, I'm okay with that. But you all have to know that there's an agenda there. And it might be just a friendship, but there's always an agenda. So so I would be careful. I mean just be wise. Know that everybody has an agenda. There's a reason why everyone wants to work together. There's a reason why I'm on this podcast today, right? Right. right. When I want to help serve you and but I also, I love talking to people and I love coaching people. And, and I know at the end of the day, the law of resp- uh, reciprocity, it'll come back. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. So I'm going to, I want to end our conversation with uh, something that I call the legacy question. And it goes like this. You're at your, your age 90 or what is it? 105, let's say your, your last day on this earth. And you know that for a fact, can't take anything with you. You're with the people that you love the most. What kind of things are you sharing with them? You, you've, you've lived, I mean, obviously you only have to, to now of life experience, but what are the conversations and the things that you're sharing with the people that you love the most? Enjoy the moment, man. Enjoy the moment. Don't get so caught up in trying to go make those millions of dollars or be this successful, whoever, doctor, attorney, lawyer, financial person, entrepreneur, real estate mogul, whatever, that you forget who you are and forget to have fun. You've got to have fun and um, and enjoy what you're doing. So, you know what? I would like to leave with something. Leave you guys with something. Is that okay, Caleb? Absolutely. Okay. This will, I think this will help a lot of us, and it's good for me to to share this. A lighthouse can help save boats. A tugboat can help save boats, but their functionality and ability in doing so are dramatically different. The tugboat goes out and back, pushing and pulling with great effort to try to help and save individual boat, an individual boat, and in the process, runs itself ragged, trying to get itself and other boats to shore. The lighthouse stands fixed and simply shines its light. No pushing, no pulling. Each boat has the agency to choose if they heed the light. But the lighthouse stands firm regardless of the boat, both day and night, and simply radiates itself. We must stop running around trying to save everyone and, in turn, running ourselves ragged. You will fail to help others. You will fail to help yourself. Your light will attract those who you want, who want to listen and follow your example. And I'm going to just say this, spread your wings, be not afraid and fly. Ben, I love you, man. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for coming on my show. You bet, buddy. Anytime, my friend. 
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Beth and I would I would love to hear kind of your biggest takeaway and, and, and my one ask is this, we're on a mission to help a million people get insured. And if you know people that will, would resonate with this message, know that every time you share this podcast, we're helping the message get out. Every time you subscribe or leave a written review, it helps our podcast get out uh, more on searches. And, and I just want to thank you for the encouragement. Uh, every month, we're seeing more and more people listen. And I know that's not because of anything that I'm doing. That's because of, of you guys sharing. And so I appreciate that. And if there's ways that we can make this episodes, these episodes better, the show better, let me know. Um, but I was just encouraged to just be consistent, keep sharing truth, keep getting amazing people. And so if you have anyone that's that needs to be highlighted, their story needs to be highlighted, or uh, make sure to let me know because I love talking to extraordinary people. Go out, make make someone's day incredible, and and make sure to be thankful for for the things in our life because. I'm telling you, gratitude is is a pretty amazing thing. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.